Rebuilding Your Life, Moving from Disaster to Prosperity with Susan Shereko, where we help you transform your life by changing what you're telling yourself. Whatever your circumstances, you can experience health, financial security, and a sense of well-being once again. And now, here's your host, Susan Shereko. On behalf of Rebuilding Your Life Radio and the Train Your Brain, Claim Your Power calls, welcome. Valerie Baker, author of Baby Raffi, joins us today to talk about her books and her missionary work around the world. It's not always glamorous. However, she has had the opportunity to help others through very hard times. And for that, we thank her for her service. Please wave your hands to welcome Valerie Baker Clayton. I'm waving Valerie. (laughs) Welcome to the program. Hi. Thank you. Yeah, Valerie, Baby Raffi is a children's book. Um, how did you come to write it? I have, a, I have two grandsons that were born in China. My daughter is a missionary there. And one of them had a stuffed duck and one had a stuffed giraffe. And the one that Elias had the stuffed giraffe, he took it everywhere. He went his best friend and he didn't go anywhere. He slept with it. It was always in his backpack. And one day, he was about six years old. He just turned 10 now. So he was about six or seven years old. And he said, Grandma, write me a story about baby Raffi. And I said, okay. And then I forgot about it. Didn't do it. You know, just like whatever. And then this last summer, this past summer in 2020, my brother lost his wife to COVID-19. And it was right after the funeral. And I was just crying. I was on my knees just crying out to God to, for comfort for my brother and his daughters. And it, I was just at 2 o'clock in the morning, I'm just praying, and I just hear God's voice saying, I've given you some talents, and you have not used them. And my talents are writing, speaking, and storytelling. Those are my my uh, main ones. And I said, yeah, I know. I've been lazy about that. So I go to go to bed, and I just hear this, well, and I just knew in my head, without hearing the words, God wanted me to get up and go right. So I got up got to my computer, didn't know what I was going to write about. I just started to say, okay, what do you mean to write? And for one hour, I wrote, and I went to bed. The next day, the same thing happened. I hear, continue the story. So I continued that for six days. And the sixth day, he said, finish it. So I finished the story, and I was done. And God just kind of said, you're not done, though. So I sent it off to some of my mm. friends, and they said, I really like this story. You should get it published. So I thought, well, I guess I will. And so... That's how it got to be. I used uh, Elias's baby giraffe, Raffi, as that's what he called it, Raffi, and that was the story. And the story is based on our real life activities that we did on the mission field. I used those stories in the story of baby Raffi. Now, is this a picture book? Yes, ma'am. It has uh, twenty pages of writing and twenty pages of pictures. So, for every page of writing, is a page of pictures to go with it. And now I gather that you self-published. Yes, ma'am, I did. And was that was it challenging to find a publisher who would do an illustrated book like that? I found quite a few, but they would say, oh, you can only do five pictures, five illustrations, or you have to pay 150 for, for every illustration fast five. You have to pay 200 for it. And I couldn't find anyone that would do what in my mind I thought it should look like. And I finally came across one called Ex Libris, and they said, the book has to be 20 pages, and we'll do 20 illustrations. I said, bingo, that's exactly what I want. So that's why I went with them. But it took me about 
four or five months to find them because wow. I kept getting all these people. And the prices were the same. They just would do different things. And I wanted, I knew what I wanted, and I wasn't going to settle for anything less, no matter how long it took. So it worked out well for me. It did work out well. Persistence and stick to as they say. So where yeah, is it now sure. available? You can get it on um, just about any place that you buy books, Amazon, uh, Barnes & Noble, just about anywhere. You can you can email me, and I send them from my house, which I like that because then I make more money. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> that, that sounds tacky, I know, but you know, it's like extra dollars. But anyway, yeah, you can do just about anywhere that books are sold. It's also in a Spanish edition now. It just came out uh, four or five weeks ago, and it also has an activity book for kids about nine or about eight or nine years of age and up can do an activity book. Below that, it's, it's over their head. It has dot-to-dot, color pages, you know, fill in the blanks, mm-hmm. match-up mm-hmm. things, stuff like that. So it's really kind of a cute book. So it comes in English, Spanish, and the activity book as well. Fantastic. Now, have you yeah. had some sense of how it's been received at this point? So far, I've gotten pretty good reviews. Mostly it's from people who buy the per- purchase the book for their kids or grandkids. They'll buy the, oh, I'm just going to get them the, the softback book. And then they read it and they go, I really like it. And they buy it for themselves in the hardback to keep. And I've had one lady who bought a dozen books to give to all of her friends. <laughs> and oh. another lady who bought 14 <laughs> books for each one of her grandchildren. So, you know, so stuff like that is going on. And we've had, it's, it's just now really, it's just gone into the, uh, January, February, and March for those three months. That's the first three months of of uh, probably a little over seven hundred dollars, which is not a whole lot, but it's just now starting out. You know, I've, I've mm-hmm. hired people mm-hmm. to do the advertising for me, so it's going to the South America <clears throat> right now. Places that they speak Spanish is <clears throat> going there. So I mean, it's just starting. It's what it's, where it's going. It's start, starting to mm-hmm, start mm-hmm. up a little bit. So it's, it'll take how, off when it's ready. <clears throat> yeah. When? How did you choose who to advertise for you? Well, Ex Libras actually has people that they suggest, and they have different mm-hmm. people that I can I can go through and talk with and find out what, the, what they were going to do, you know, how long are they going to mm-hmm. advertise for me, what, what venues are you going to use, because I know nothing. I'm real dumb at that stuff. So I said, oh, I like mm-hmm. what you're saying. Okay, you can do it. So I just, right. they just give me a list of people and say, do this, do this, do this, do this. They wanted me to have a 60-second a 60 movie, like a 60-second video made to try to mm-hmm. get to go into movie, to the movie theater or whatever, just get to whoever has to look at it to decide if they want to make a movie. And I said, no, if God wants this to be a movie, God's going to bring it to the right person to read it, to say, oh, that would make a cool movie because it has all the char- all the things you need for one. It has excitement. It has it has drama. It has you know adventure. It has oh no, what's going to happen next? It makes you hold your breath. It has all those sorts of things, all tied in with a lot of good lessons for children. You know, so if mm-hmm. God wants it to be there, He's going to give it to that right person. And if not, I'm not going to pay for to tell God to do something. It'll get done that way. So that's what I chose to do. So anyway. Okay. We'll see. That's, yeah, you'll see. I mean, ever things are ever unfolding. So, you know, are you planning to keep writing? Yes, I am. I've got another book that I'm almost finished with, but my computer went down, <laughs> so oh. it's in the shop right now. So we should come back in a couple of weeks. So I pretty much have the summer off, and so I'm, that time I'm going to spend working and writing some stories, 
And I've been making a list of all the stories that I can write, you know, and so I've got a whole page full. Oh, yeah, this one and this one and this one. I like to use real-life things that happen to us as a family and incorporate mm-hmm. that into the story because you write about what you know. So when baby Rassi, he thinks he's being kidnapped, that happened to my husband with the KGB. And the boundaries is something that I went out of the boundaries and almost got killed, just like baby Rafi got in danger as well. And my husband was playing volleyball in a foreign country, and he fell and hurt his knee. And so baby Rafi did too. So when I was right, when the Holy Spirit was writing the story, I didn't catch all these things until I was done. And I went back and read it and said, oh, that sounds like our life story stuck in here. So I didn't even know. I didn't have a plan when I wrote. I just said, mm-hmm. let me do it right now. And he and I had no idea where it was going. I had no idea where it was going to end up. But when it ended up, I'm like, wow, I like that ending. So that's how it all came about to be. I just said, well, what do you want to do, God? And he just told me. He just told you. Now, you've been lots of places around the world. Um, <clears throat> I gather each of these books is going to be, in your mind anyway, about one of these places that you went and the characters are all animals? Yes, ma'am. I'm, I'm going to stick with the animals because I like those. They can, okay. they can be, you can, you can stretch an animal to be funny. I had some guys say, because in, in, in Baby Raffy, Grandpa, Grandpa Giraffe, his name is Phil, has spectacles on his nose, glasses, and bushy eyebrows and a mustache. And he, he was reviewing my book and he said, a giraffe doesn't have those things. Well, draft doesn't talk English either, <laughs> and it doesn't jump. It doesn't jump like a kangaroo. You know, this is a children's book. You can you can stretch an animal better. You can stretch a human. So I decided to stick with animals because it's just there. Every kid loves animals. I don't care who you are. You're going to love animals of all kinds. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's true. They relate to them very very well. Yeah. Now you you've been in Africa several times, correct? Yes, we've been to Ukraine was the first place we went. We've been in Honduras, uh, Armenia, where Noah's Ark is on Mount Ararat. We were there. We go to China every year to visit our grandkids, but they're in the U.S. now. We go to Thailand uh, just about every year, Kenya, South Africa, uh, Papua New Guinea, Vanuatu, probably some more. I can't remember. <laughs> now, do you oh, yeah. find some, since you have all animals as your characters, are are you finding you're drawing upon the the variety of animals that are around the world that you have run into. Yeah, what I'm doing is like I chose giraffes because because of my grandson's baby Raffy, but I I did the research on giraffes. What do they eat? Who are their natural predators? So that when I write the stories, it actually, you know, because baby Raffy wants to eat some leaves on a tree like his mom and dad. That starts the whole problem. He doesn't want to be a baby. He wants to be a grown up. And so what do they eat? So I let they like the acacia tree and they eat the leaves and they eat the flowers and they eat the fruit. They don't eat grass, they don't do this. So I I looked and seen who they were and what their what their predators were so they so so baby Raffy would know who the stranger his parents talked to him about stranger danger. Who are they? And then one of them was mm-hmm. a crocodile and some and the zebra. So I want it to be a little bit realistic on what the story says, but then the story itself is of course obviously unrealistic, but it was has facts in it. I don't want to, like, make up things. So I just I did a lot of research on that, those sorts of things. So when we actually traveled these countries, we did a lot of safaris and things like that. So I know what's there. I know about the animals. So I'm going to incorporate all the things that I never knew 
about the animals, the elephants and the hippos and stuff that I never knew before into those stories because it also will be teaching as well as making the stories fun. So I think. Well, you, you, <laughs> well, you, just taught, you just taught me something I didn't know. I did not know that zebras are a natural predator of giraffes. They are. So are crocodiles and several others. So I just want to make sure that when I wrote stuff, that zebras, was like I was. Yeah, but, but zebras are, you know, to me are very horse-like. I can't, I don't understand why they wouldn't like giraffes. I don't know that you can answer that question right this minute. But I don't know. Maybe they're hungry. Maybe they're hungry. I don't know. Maybe I don't know. But isn't that funny? I just it's just a little ding went off in my head. So yeah, and I didn't. Little... I didn't know. I didn't know that mm-hmm. a grass cannot bend its head down to, to eat grass because its neck won't reach that far. I didn't know that either. Oh. Wow. Yeah. They have to bend their knees in order to eat grass. They don't eat grass at all. I didn't at know all. that. They just don't go there. Part. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, whatever. So, Valerie, you, you, can you tell us a little bit more about your missionary work? I mean, how did you get started? Every year, uh, in, there was a uh, a group called uh, the. They go around in the ships. You know, they're called. They were called ships. They would go to. Mm-hmm. They go to third world countries, and they would stop along the. They were like. One ship would do dental work. One ship would do prosthetics, and they would have they go down to South America and all these islands of the Pacific, and they would do stuff. Well, every two years, Anastasia was named the ship would come into the port of Houston to, to get medical supplies and stuff that was donated. So every two years, we would take our kids and the kids from church down there. And so we were there one day, and in 1994. And while we were on that ship talking to people, God told us that he wanted us to go be uh, missionaries with YWAM, which is Youth with the Mission, who ran the ships at that time. So my husband and I prayed about it. We knew that was supposed to be. I went to church camp with my kids, and God confirmed it. I get home, and God, my husband says, God tells me we have to go. And so we just went talked to our pastor, resigned our works. Someone came to our house knocked on the door and said, we're looking for a house. God told us you're going to sell your house to us. What do you want? <laughs> you know, oh, and so I wrote phenomenal. a story. Mm-hmm. I, wrote a, I wrote a book called Answering My Heart's Cry, how we got into missions. Um, I was a child abuser at one time. I was very much out of control person. And I was at time my kids in church. We have seven children all the time. But when I left church, I was a raven maniac. And it tells in the book it tells how God used things in my life to bring me to a place where that was became part of my past. So when God called me to said He wanted us to go be missionaries, I kept saying, "No, people like me don't do that." I mean, that's ridiculous to even think it. God uses really good people, you know. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. I just and I just started looking, and you know. Paul was uh, was Saul at one time, and he was bad. And then you go through all these Bibles, and, and God uses a a prostitute, and he uses this person and that person, and he changes them. And so that's I tell how that happened. And then in the, in the rest of my book, that's just one chapter. The rest of the book tells about all these miracles that we did in Ukraine, how God, all these things happened, how my husband thought he was being kidnapped by the KGB and all this stuff. And in the last second, God comes in, how these guys tried to break in the door and had a, uh, they weren't there for fun. They were there to hurt me and my children and how God intervened and that just miracle after miracle after miracle. And so every chapter is a different miracle. So that's how the, so I tell that whole story in that book. 
But when we went to do missionaries, God just paved the way and made everything happen for us. And it just went one after. Now my uh, oldest daughter was 11 at the time, and now she's a full-time missionary. They've had to leave Mm -hmm. China. They've been there for for 12 years. They've had to leave now. My other daughter, she is a missionary on the summer because she's a a full-time teacher. So she's missionaries on summer and Christmas break, and anytime she has time, she takes off for Africa because that's her place is Africa. Mm-hmm. So it's just mm-hmm. our just our family just just loves doing that, and we've been given the gifts to do that. You know, the emotional and physical and spiritual gifts to be that person. And because of my past, I can I can relate to people on different levels that I wouldn't have been mm-hmm. able to otherwise. And so God says He gives puts us through things that we can be of help to others to show them the way out. And so I use that. And am I ashamed of it? Yes. Is it hurtful? Yes. Do I ever go back to that? No. But I use what I learned and how God loves me and how he cares for me to be able to relate to other people. And I have folks that get my book, Answering My Heart's Cry, and they call me from all countries all over the world and from all the states and Canada and everywhere saying, I never tell in the story in my book what happened to me, but Mm -hmm. they know. I was... Mm -hmm. uh, I was molested as a child all the way up to the age of 15 until we moved away from Indiana to Texas. Then it stopped because we weren't there no more. But I don't Mm -hmm. say that in the book. But people who have had that happen to them, they'll say, this is what happened to you, wasn't it? And I said, yeah, how do you know? Because the words that you described yourself and how you felt is exactly how I feel today. I don't know how to make it stop. Well, hello, now I have a a friend I can talk to. We can email back and forth and talk back and forth. And that happens all the time. The book has been out since 1999, I think. And I'm, it's, the book is still going out and people are still calling me about it. So it's a really mm. interesting book, but that really answers a powerful. whole lot of questions. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's powerful. It, it, it's not only for the believer, but the unbeliever, because it talks about God, divine healing, finances, answering the cries of a, of a child. You know, it goes through thing after thing after thing after thing. And again, on that book, I didn't know it until I was finished how it came out. I was like, whoa, this is really awesome. I read it mm-hmm. every year to remind myself who God is. Every year I read that book. Every year I read it to my husband. Every year we just, you know, my, I encourage my friends, reread my book. And they'll come back and say, wow, that's what I needed. That's exactly, I knew that answer, but I just was fighting myself. Now I, mm-hmm. I can let it go and let God be. And so that's mm-hmm. really a good part of my ministry. And I always carry the books everywhere I go. If they can read English, they get a copy. I just give it to them. So people in other but countries also, can't afford to buy them. Right. Right. You also do another part of the ministry that you go all over with. Um, it's a translation program that you're involved in. It is because there are about 7,500 languages around the world. And the Jesus film started in 19, uh, 1975 or 74, something like that. And they translated this movie that they made in Hollywood called The Jesus Film. That's what it's just called. You look up on YouTube, Jesus Film. And they started translating it on the major languages. They have millions of people, you know, French, Spanish, Italian, you know, all the major languages. Well, they got from 1974 to 2015, they had done 1,500 languages only because it takes a long time. So... 46% of all the people in 
the United, in the world have some sort of publication about the Bible. Only 700 different languages, only 10% have the whole entire Bible, except only 700 languages out of 7,000. About 1,500 wow. different, different hundred languages, about 15% of the population have just the New Testament. You have about 1,100, which is 15%, have just a portion of the Bible, just maybe, you know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and the Psalms, that's it. So that leaves 3,800 people, 54% of those have zero, nothing started, nothing published or oral at all whatsoever. And out of that 3,800, only 1,300 of them are completely unengaged. They have no, they have never heard the word God or Jesus or Holy Spirit ever. No activity. So Mm. the Jesus film looked for four years to find a mission company organization that would fit their needs and they chose youth with the mission ywam so we're the jesus film ywam group and we go uh jesus film pays for it we, we're trained and we go there it takes about a year year and a half to get it all set up but we can do like 12 languages at 12 mm-hmm. different languages at one place so like papua new guinea has over 800 languages <clears throat> so we can oh, get 12 languages but mm-hmm. like if you, if say, for instance, you go to Mexico and you learn Spanish well, but your heart language is English because that's where you're from. You're uh, you're English speaking, mm-hmm. but you could, you mm-hmm. don't speak English no more. You speak nothing. But so all the people in Papua New Guinea have a that's called the trade language. They all speak the trade language, but they have a language they speak at home. So getting portion, portions of the Bible or get a film in their in their mother tongue means more to them than the trade language. So it takes us a while. We we teach them. Most of them don't have electricity where we go. They don't have running water. They don't have homes. They don't have shoes. Uh, they don't have grocery stores. They don't have you know that sort of stuff. They just live out in the jungle like Tarzan would. That's what they mm-hmm. where they live. Mm-hmm. So we bring the, we bring them in together. All these different languages, three of each language, and we teach them how to use a computer, etc. They translate one portion of a sentence at a time into their language, which takes five weeks, working five days a week or six weeks, takes five days a week, all day long, for them to get it done. And <clears throat> when it gets done, we match it, they read it, and they match it to the film. So when it says, da-da-da-da-da-da, it says it in their language instead. The film's already done. They just have to match it together. So it takes a long time to do it. It has to be, you know, redone again. It has to be approved by the, the chief. They ha- they call themselves tribes in the places that we go, you know, South Africa, in uh, mm-hmm. different places in South America, the Amazon. They call themselves tribes, so we call them tribes. They take it to the tribal leader to get it approved. Then they come back a month later, we bring them back again, and they record it. And we build little recording studios out of boxes and clothes and mattresses and tree branches. We build it, and it's all, and then we make these movies. And uh, we get these little phones that were made for us. It looks like a flip phone, but it's mm-hmm. solar panels. And we put it on a, a, a lay around their neck, and we can put that in their language so they can listen to it over and over and over again. And we have other things about women and about children. We have a lot of different things that we put on that little phone, and they can take that little phone and give it to someone else and just translates over really quick, and they got it in their language, and they can just put it on their back while they carry it around all day long and listen to it. The rainy day comes. Isn't that something? Wait, wow. Wait till the sun shines and it recharges up. So we, so that's what we're doing right now. I have a group right now in Nigeria, I think it's in Nigeria, that they're working on because there are 
we don't believe it, but there's several thousand languages that are not written. It's just oral. Like uh, um, a lot of places have that. And so you don't realize there's no written language, so what are you going to do? So mm-hmm, we go there mm-hmm. and, we'll, and we find someone that can speak English and we'll say, say, uh, in the beginning, God. So they will say, in the beginning, God. And then we'll do the second half. And we'll keep doing it like that until each portion is done and we record it as we go along. So they're just doing a half of a sentence at a time or a whole sentence. And if it's too long, we have to shorten it. Like if you say, early on the Sabbath morning, Jesus rose and rode a donkey into Jerusalem. Well, it's not going to fit with their language. We can take out early in the morning. That's not going to change scripture. The scripture is Jesus went to Jerusalem. You mm-hmm. may have to mm-hmm. take out the donkey because they don't know what a donkey is. And so if you put ah. the donkey in there, they're going to be looking, what's that, what's that, what's that? And they're going to be talking about that. Mm-hmm. And they're going to make the most important part. So we have to, the whole we thing. don't mm-hmm. change scripture. We take out what's not needed if, we can't, if it won't fit. If it fits, we leave it mm-hmm. alone. You know, so we have to match the mouth that's been, it's been said in English, yes. and then it dubs over it. So that's what we do. And you should see the faces on people who've never seen a movie before, obviously. We put a white sheet up between two trees, and we put this film on it, and this little projector is the size that fits in the palm of your hand, and it just fits up there. And they see this thing, and they're like, whoa. And then they, they have people, who, they, they see Jesus being crucified, and the men jump up in in the in the in Europe, they I mean, not Europe, in uh, Southeast Asia, they jumped up and ran and got their clubs and started beating. We had a sheet over a, a van and the, uh, for the film, and they started beating on a sheet because they thought, they're killing my Jesus, they're killing my Jesus. We had $2,000 of damage to this Jeep. And <laughs> we had to buy them a new one because they were, they were trying to kill this bad thing, you know. And then yes, they uh-huh. see Jesus come he comes back alive, and they see that, and they're like, he is for real. He really can do this for us. And then they're just laughing, and they go, and they get their idols, and they bring it to us, and we say, no, we won't take your idols. You have to get rid of your idols. So they burn them or tear them up or, you know, bury them in the sand or whatever. They have to make that decision. Of course, we never do this until we have somebody who's going to be coming in maybe once a week or once every two weeks to hold church service for them. Mm-hmm, so we always mm-hmm. have somebody ready. We don't do it and just walk away and leave. And we always have someone coming back to to do that and then come back every so often to give them new, new phones and, you know, and help teach the teachers, the preachers, help them learn more. So it's an ongoing, continuous, we don't do it and drop them. So that's what I right. do. It's really, really intense, a lot of hard work, a lot of uh, misunderstanding. Probably the biggest one mm. was I had I had uh, ten, 10 different languages. It was in Papua New Guinea, and it, Jesus said, make your way straight. Okay, it's talking about your road on the straight. Well, where they were there at, they didn't have roads. They walked through the jungles, okay? Most of them didn't even have shoes, they, nothing. So they said, fill in the pothole. And I said, no, 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 I could not get him through his head. We're not filling in the pothole. We're making our way straight on the road. So I went to the next language and the next language and the next language. They all said fill in the pothole. And they finally explained it to me. We don't have a road like you have. But if we want to walk and a tree has fallen over, we have to walk around. And there's a big hole there where the tree used to be. If we fill that in and cut down those trees, we can go straight. 
So we need to fill in those potholes. And even if we did have a road, it's just all big holes everywhere. So if we fill them in, we can go straight. If we don't fill them in, we've got to go crooked. So Jesus said, fill in the potholes. Therefore, in this film, it says, fill in the potholes. <laughs> and so you have to learn. Yes. You have to oh learn and be flexible to what they're trying to tell you because they know something that I don't know. And you can't go there with like, well, I know all this stuff because you have to be very humble because they're very humble people. They're very poor, mm-hmm. but they don't know that. So you have to make sure you don't, you know, come across as like, oh, I know all this stuff and you don't know nothing. You know, I have all this yes. stuff in America yes. and you ain't got nothing. You have to be very, like, could be really careful what you say and how you say it and realize filling the potholes is exactly what Jesus was telling them. Fill in that pothole, mm-hmm. and then you can go straight. Mm-hmm. Strange, mm-hmm. isn't it? But, but, it is, but that's language, isn't it? I mean, language all over the world has that <clears throat> yes. um, Everyone has fluid quality different. to it. Mm-hmm. Idioms, exactly. right? We all have an idiom. Yes. yes. So exactly. are you still actively, actively involved in this missionary work? I am not right now. My husband and I were lived in Hawaii, and we sold it. We put our condo up for sale because we were moving to Papua New Guinea for a couple of years. We put it on the market. Six hours later, it was sold. And so we took our, we left the, all of our stuff there, but we just took our personal things to come back to Texas and drop them off before we, before we moved to Papua New Guinea. And while I was, before my husband took the stuff back, I was in a place called Vanuatu, which is the island uh, east of Australia and north of uh, New Zealand. And I fell and busted up my hip. So I had to have surgery. So I fly to Houston. Three days later, Hurricane Harvey came in 2017, and my surgery got pushed back about seven or eight months. Well, nine months it got pushed hmm. back. And so well, I couldn't of, have it done. So because was of everything, that because of the, you know, of the pandemic? No, that was because of the hurricane, that everything, they oh, took okay. only emergencies only. And then but when it was over with, I tried to make things, and the pandemic came, and so I had to push it back some more. So I couldn't, we couldn't go. So while mm-hmm. we were here, I said, John, we've already bought property to to build a retirement home. Let's start now because everything was set 50 to 70% off because of the hurricane. So we built a, a small house. It's 1,200 square feet. But we built it as we went along so we don't have a mortgage. But um, we probably, the house is worth about 140000 where it's at, and we probably paid about sixty or 65000 because we, had every, we waited and waited and waited till everything was on the sale, the thing items we wanted. And then so it's just, just about done. The outside's not done, but the inside is. So at this point, I'm not doing the Jesus film with them, but we hope to be, um, because I, we were almost out of debt, but because of my baby Raffi having to pay for advertisement and stuff, that we're in debt right now, but we should be out by December of this mm-hmm. year, so mm-hmm. then we will be able to, uh, I know God wants me to go to um, Jordan and Nepal and uh, in Israel. He's told me that back in 2014. And so I'm, I'm, leaning, I'm praying into those three places. So if we can be debt-free by the end of December this year, then we will be able to have, uh, be able to start doing some mission work again and see where God wants us to go with that. But right now mm-hmm. we're just praying in, in, to uh, help us to get where we need to be emotionally, spiritually, financially, you know, and lay on our heart mm-hmm. where you want us, to, what you want us to do, and that's what we're going to do, no matter whether it's the Jesus film or not. It doesn't matter. I mean, it does matter, but 
if he says go somewhere else, I'm going to go somewhere else. You know, mm-hmm. I love, love, love going to new places. It is so exciting, so amazing. <laughs> and you and and all guided. Uh, some, <laughs> some. <okay. laughs> now you also, I am. Right. You also mentioned to me when we first had the opportunity to speak that you were thinking about writing an old-looking book. <clears throat> yes, ma'am. I want uh, uh, the book that I wrote, Answer My Heart's Cry, tells a lot about who God is. But I want to write a book to make it look so it's, it's continued telling stories. I have story after story. You can pick any, any subject in the world just about, and I've got a story to match it. So I'm making a list of all these stories. I'm going to write these stories. And in them, I'm going to bring out what does God say about that? How was God intervened? How can God help you in this particular situation or whatever? But I believe, honestly, in my heart, with all that I have, all the study that I've done, that someday in America, we are not going to be considered a Christian nation anymore. And it may become illegal to have a Bible. A lot of countries that claim to be Christian countries can no longer Nations can no longer have Bibles in their country at all. And God, the word God is not allowed. Churches are not allowed. I've seen that. That's the first place we went in Ukraine, right? Ukraine after communism fell, and it was horrible. And if that ever happens, I pray it doesn't, but if it does before God, before Jesus comes back, there's going to be this old dilapidated looking book sitting on the counter that no one, if they come in there to throw away the Bibles, is going to bother this old dumb book. But inside of it, it's going to tell my great-grandchildren and my great-great-grandchildren who God is and how he can work in their lives and how much he loves them and cares for them and died for them and went to hell for them and came back and making a place for them in heaven. He has that place for them. They have to just, how do they, how do they find him? Say, I'm sorry. I'm a sinner. Forgive me. Take me with you. Let me be your child. That's how simple it is. But if they don't know, right now my great my grandchildren, I've got some grandchildren not going to church, and their kids are young, and they're not going to church. So what if I die? And those mm-hmm. babies mm-hmm. don't know who Jesus is. They're, my daughter does, their grandma. But what mm-hmm. if they don't know? Someone ha- It's my responsibility to pass on to them who God is in my life and what he's done. I have these stories, but they're not going to know them, you know? Mm-hmm. And so if I write this old-looking, cruddy book, it's going to be looking like a uh, – you see them sometimes at Hobby Lobby, and you open it up, it, has, it looks like a book, but it's actually a place you can hide stuff in, you know? I oh, got yes. in my house, yes. too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've got mm-hmm. those in my house. So I want it to look like that. So it's it just set on this old, dusty shelf, you know? But in it is going to be all the amazing things that God has said not in the Bible form, but in the story form that, that Valerie wrote. Grandma Valerie wrote this, and it's going to be a legacy to my grandchildren and great-grandchildren. This that is, is a wonderful legacy. Mm-hmm. So I've That's been, a wonderful I haven't legacy. written any of it. I haven't written any of it, but I have a lot of notes that I get in the middle of the night. I'll, I'll scribble on a piece of, get in the middle of the night, scribble on a piece of paper and stick it back in this little folder I've got. So I've got a lot of them. So I'm going to just continue working on my children's books and stuff until I can kind of get things going. And then I'm going to sit down and just, when God says time is right to write it, I want to get it done. And my brother lost his wife and she, right before she turned 70. And 
in the 4th of July, I'm going to be 70. So I've had a lot of my cousins have passed away, you know, and you think, oh, well, I'm just so healthy and this and that and the other. So was my sister-in-law. And she mm. was there, and two seconds later, she was on the ground. You know, wow. it was from, she, she died well, from COVID. Well, it's true. We never know. We never know when I know. You know, you don't that know. moment's coming. So, And yet you're, you have other family members that live to be 100. So it's <laughs> there yeah. really is no um, no way of knowing. Mm. But to have that vision that you want to get that done is a wonderful, wonderful vision. Do you do you have a last message that you would like to share with our audience? Well, I just think that <clears throat> with baby Raffi, he was just inspired by God and given to me word by word, as was answering my heart's cry. And no matter what situation you find yourself in your life, you could be, <clears throat> whether you're a Christian or not, God is always there for you. He is watching over you. He he died for you. He has called you to him. And if you feel anything in your heart stirring at all, that's the Holy Spirit calling you. And don't just keep saying later, 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 no. Say, okay, and find someone that can help you that's in a good Bible church. Make sure they're, they're teaching the same thing the Bible teaches. And look for someone in your church or your neighborhood or your family that knows about it and say, I want what you've got. Because he's there for you no matter where, until you take your last breath, and then it'll be too late. So that's what I would tell people, actually. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you, Valerie. Thank you for sharing your stories, various titles, and the work that you do. Um, Is there a way that people can support the translation services that's being done, or how they can reach out to you if they want to get involved? Yes, they do. I can give you an email address that I have that would be able to connect me. I use it just for this one purpose. It's not my personal email. But you know Mm -hmm. how kids say LOL, laugh out loud? Mine is living, mine is living, L-I-V-I-N-G, out loud. Living out loud with the number four and then him, H-I-M, dot. I forgot what it was. (laughs) I think it's, you're in the extension. it living yeah. out loud for him at, oh, my gosh. I know oh. what it is because I've gotten oh, it before. Oh, you know what it is? <laughs> I do. It's, it's living out loud for him at yahoo.com. There you go. Oh, my god. There you go. I have it That's on my phone. Have on my... You're on I the phone. It's hard moments. to look it up when you're on the phone. I never am able to do yeah. that. Sometimes so. my brain just leaks, you know. They all <laughs> do. Right out. Uh, that brain leaky thing is, yeah, I hear that a oh. lot. And I know I myself have those days when it just goes, Whoop, what was I trying to say? Anyway, I thanks know. to our listeners. <laughs> I want to thank our listeners for joining us today. We've been talking with Valerie Baker Clayton about her books and missionary work. And whether you read her books or support her missionary work, you can help make a difference in the lives of others. We also welcome your support to grow our audience and help us give authors a voice in media. Well, thank you again for being with us, Valerie. I feel very honored to be with you. I really do. I appreciate this a lot. And we appreciate you. So this is a wrap, everyone. Bye for now. And have a great day. 
Thank you very much for tuning in today. If you've been inspired by this show, leave a rating or review on iTunes and visit www.rainbowsoverruins.com to receive a free chapter from Susan's book. On behalf of Susan Shereko, this has been Rebuilding Your Life, Moving from Disaster to Prosperity, sharing the journeys of those affected by sudden and great loss and what they did to heal, rebuild, and where they are now.